Hello, everyone. Dr. Anna Kabeca here today. And on Couch Talk, we're going to talk about healing your hunger. So if you've dealt with cravings, you know, just you know, nasty hunger issues and um, have had difficulties with emotional eating. I know I have. Well, I bring to you today one of our food addiction experts and a dear friend of mine, and her name is Tricia Nelson. So Tricia, it's wonderful to have you here with us today. Thanks so much. So good to be here. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. And I want to tell our audience a little bit about you and, and then I'll have you elaborate some more and share your story with us. But Trisha has been in this emotional eating space for well over a decade and has been living and walking the talk for, gosh, ever since I've met you and then well before and has been so passionate about getting this information out to a wide audience. You have been on NBC, CBS, Fox, Discovery Health and, and just have been a highly regarded speaker and coach and really with what um, Trisha's specialty has been has also been in the researching the hidden causes of addictive personality to get to the underlying causes of emotional eating as well as her own story so Trisha will you share a little bit of your story with us I would be so happy to. Yes, I have been an emotional eater, I think, since the get-go, as far back as I can remember, and that's probably age four or so, but I always remember, Anna, being so happy about food. <laughs> so just a big, uh, big highlight for me, and, uh, you know, if my family was going out to dinner, I'd get really excited and almost have heart palpitations, you know, and thinking about what I was going to eat. And, you know, I was a big snacker. And uh, eventually my sister was an overeater too. And she taught me about, she literally taught me how to binge. And we went down to the local ice cream store and each got ourselves a pint of ice cream and a spoon. And we sat there and ate the whole thing. And uh, each of us, and, and it's like, I just loved food and I got progressively, you know, my eating got progressively worse um, as I got older. When I hit adolescence, it was on, game on, and my body was changing. I was always overweight, but gosh, when I was an adolescent, I just, my face looked like a pumpkin. It was completely round and I was very overweight and uh, I just hated being overweight. You know, I had a, a roll in my tummy. I would scrunch up in my hands and I'd want to cut it off. And, and I, I thought about like, oh gosh, if I could get a disease and automatically lose weight where I wouldn't have to try or, or join the army and they'd force me to exercise at boot camp. And, you know, these pretty outlandish, crazy thoughts around my weight because, you know, stopping or curbing my eating was not really an option. And frankly, it didn't even occur to me. I was just upset about how, you know, much I hated my body and, and my legs chafed, you know, when I was um, in a bathing suit and, uh, you know, in the, at the beach or whatever. So it was just so uncomfortable for me. And it was just an obsession, to, you know, of mine to overcome it. And, and so I looked in all these different places and I read self-help books and tried diets and pills and potions and lotions and 12-step programs and therapy. I mean, I really was at it. You know, I was going hard and uh, looking for a solution and nothing I did worked for me until I found somebody who really um, sh it showed me that my problem had nothing to do with food, you know, that food was a symptom of something much deeper. And you know this person, it's Roy, who's now my husband. 
And he, this is literally 30 years ago. And he just, he's a spiritual healer and he, he helps people with all different kinds of addictions. And he had been obese himself. And, you know, he shared with me that, you know, it's, it's an emotional issue. It's deeper and it's spiritual as well. And so that's really where I had to go. And on account of doing that work, uh, I was healed and not cured. You know, I'm still, I still consider myself an emotional eater because I can go that direction any day of the week. Um, but by the grace of God, I don't because of this, these new tools that I've learned and how to really address the underlying causes. And that's really how Heal Your Hunger was born and, and what I love doing for other people. That's fabulous. You know, and, and I want to talk about, I mean, you've hit so many points that resonate, you know, from binge eating to feeling our own roles, right? And what that feels like and how we can not enjoy those, those aspects of our body. So shifting the mindset here is really important. And then you talked about, you know, just that continuing to recognize that emotional eating is, um, is a, is an issue, right? That, key part, right? Like with alcohol, the 12 step, one is good, two is better, right? And how we have to kind of, how do we, how do we shift that mentality and how do we hold that firm line so that we don't cross that and we recognize what we're doing? So I definitely want to hear from you those tools as you address the underlying causes, right? The root causes that have to be addressed to, to fix this emotional eating. So let's first start with how does one know if they're an emotional eater or food addict? Great question. Um, you know, it's in my experience, it's really a spectrum. And I think everybody to some degree is an emotional eater, you know, and I mean, I think God made us that way, right? Like, like we like to eat, it feels good, it comforts us. I mean, so we'll keep doing it, you know. Um, but obviously, people take it to different, different levels and extremes. And um, on one end of the spectrum is just basic emotional eating. On the other end of the spectrum is really food addiction. And I've created a quiz called the emotional eating quiz that somebody can take that literally will share with them where they are on that spectrum they'll get a personalized score and then what actions they need to take based on their score but I think that it really is levels of um, levels of effect is really what we're talking about because with any addiction it's not really a problem till it's a problem you know and some people just like to eat they're foodies and, and that's it and they don't even mind being overweight so you know for them I say keep going you know like it's like enjoy um, but for other people who are really unhappy with their weight um, and can't lose weight because this emotional eating issue comes up then obviously uh, then there's something to pay attention to. And for me personally, I consider myself an all out food addict as well as an emotional eater uh, because my addiction to food got so bad that my binges were like three or 4,000 calories in a sitting. Like I literally would go to the store, buy, you know, all the sweet things and all the salty things and, and something to wash it down with. And, and, and it's, you know, it was a bad scene, you know? And so there are people, obviously many, many people out there who do take it too far. And it is in that phase where you know, once they start, they can't stop. And that's really when it's an addiction is when they cannot 
pull themselves back Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. And that was certainly the case for me. And so, but again, it's, it's a spectrum. Some people can pull themselves back, but that doesn't mean, you know, they're happy about their relationship with food. I mean, anytime somebody is just obsessed with food and they're thinking about it 24 seven, whether they're going all the way binging or not, you know, that's a problem and that's, that's emotional eating. And that's when, you know, it's time to take a look at that and, and really address it on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so um, first of all, identifying that there's a problem, right? And the quiz is always a good way to see what, and I will provide that link to in our footnotes here. But so why do you think it is that 98% of all diets fail? It's incredible, isn't it? That I mean, it's, we're talking about a multi-billion-dollar industry, and if you take ninety percent of those multi-billions and throw, you know, basically flush them down the toilet, that's what we're doing annually, you know, with with all the money that's spent on diets. And I really think that the reason why people aren't succeeding at their dieting, you know, endeavors is because of emotional eating. And nobody's really talking about that. You know, they're thinking it's their metabolism or, you know, um, you know, whatever their amounts or the amounts of exercise that they're doing or the kinds of exercise. They're choosing these different things and focusing on them. And yet, the emotional eating is why we're fat in the first place. I mean, I was overeating. Um, you know, I my relationship with food was went way beyond nutrition, right? I mean, I was comforting myself with food. I was turning to food uh, when I was stressed. I was eating when I was lonely. I mean, there's so many different emotions that drive us to eat. And if those aren't addressed, no diet is going to work. I mean, we can do a diet for short periods of time. We can, you know, get, we get all psyched up, right? We're like, here it is. I'm going to do this. This is my food plan. This is the answer. You know, I mean, people who bought buy one diet book buy jillions of diet books because they're always looking for that quick fix, not realizing that, you know, they can't sustain that way of uh, eating if they don't deal with the deeper reasons why they overeat in the first place. And that's what trips people up. That's why they sabotage. So how do you get to those deeper reasons? What are some of the deeper reasons why we self-sabotage, for example? Well, I think it's really important if somebody identifies that they have definitely have some kind of emotional, you know, triggers around food or are are an emotional eater. I think it's really important to realize that emotional eating isn't just about eating too much or the wrong foods. Emotional eating has so much more to do with the way we literally respond to life. And I, in, um, in my book and in my program, I talk about the anatomy of the emotional eater. And this is uh, basically, I, I lay out 24 traits, their personality traits, which aren't unique to the emotional eater, but this composite of traits really is because emotional eaters really take the cake, so to speak, on, on these traits. And I'd say these are traits that um, cause us to create the stress that, that we then stress eat over. Okay. And so it's not that we just happen to have cravings so much of the time. I know there's physical aspects of cravings and that's, you know, you address so much of that in your awesome work. Um, but there's also that, that emotional aspect. Um, and that comes from our personalities and over the past 30 years that I've done this work, I have seen the same personality traits over and over again, really tripping people up. And I'll tell you the number one trait of an emotional eater regarding the anatomy of emotional eater is people pleasing. Okay. This is a 
terrible downfall for emotional eaters. And, you know, I think the reason why we are like such amazing people pleasers is because uh, so much of the time, you know, we have, emotional eaters typically have something in their past that was traumatic, usually in their childhood, that that uh, sets them up to, to start needing validation from outside of themselves instead of inside. And people pleasing is an outgrowth of that, where we're looking for kudos, we're looking for credit. We want people to to notice us and give us that sense of self we're seeking. And so it gets us into trouble. And people pleasing at first seems like ah, a pretty harmless, you know, trait, but as you know, and uh, it's it can really lead to so much trouble because when we're out there in the world taking on too much, we're saying yes to requests of us, either at work or at home or all the above, civic duties, whatever, and we're we're overdoing, which overeaters are great overdoers. So we're we're filling our plate with way too many things and then we're exhausted we're stressed out we've usually skipped meals because we're trying to get it all done we come home at the end of the day and it's the perfect storm for a binge you know it's like I call it the I deserve it binge nobody's ever as pleased as we want them to be when we're people pleasing right like we don't get the credit we're really hoping or imagining we're going to get um, you know, a thank you here and there, but never, it never fills us the way we expect it to. And so we end up compensating with food. So that's just one example. I mean, there's so many other traits, like we're deep feelers. Emotional eaters are deep feelers. You know, people tend to tell us we wear our heart on their sleeves or we're too sensitive. And, you know, most of these traits, there's an upside and a downside. So being sensitive is a beautiful thing. You know, we are sensitive. We do care about people, but you know, it also, makes us uh, feel like a walking pin cushion where everything we're bombarded by life and events and all of it just makes us feel overwhelmed with emotion you know and then we have to uh, numb that with food and so these are some of the things that really are germane to the emotional eaters experience that have to be addressed if we're gonna do, get anywhere with, with our food and you can see that these things have nothing to do with food and yet they have everything to do with our relationship with food yeah, no, absolutely. And it's that just that character, right? It's that character of, you know, what's satisfying me, what, you know, just being able to enjoy yourself and to feel like I deserve it. And yet being that I get that people pleaser, okay, we don't want anyone to feel any discontent with us. So especially if we're been bake something or prepared something, of course, have to try it, even if we know that may not be the right thing for us. So I think there's several, there's many pieces there. So how do you, how do you, what are some of the tools that you arm women and men with our emotional eating selves with to help accomplish this in your work? Well, regarding what I just talked about, you know, the stress that we create in our lives by overdoing definitely has to be addressed. You know, I mean, somebody can't lose weight if they don't make real changes in their lifestyle. And of course, nobody wants to hear that, but it's just true. I mean, we can't remain, you know, we can't, our schedules can't be to the hilt every single day without, you know, falling down with food. Uh, we have to have a lot more emotional balance. And so, you know, simple, you know, stress relieving things like meditation, um, I mean, I, I always recommend that people, I call it the six self-care success secrets. And I recommend that people do these things first thing in the morning, because so much of the time we just bolt out of bed, you know, we haven't made any connection with ourselves, with our inner, you know, our inner selves, our spirit. And, and so we're just 
running on fumes throughout the day. And of course, we, you know, we use food for that quick hit to get us through where we can get that hit first thing in the morning, you know, with a, a, a meditation prayer, you know, reading routine, some kind of spiritual ritual that will help us connect um, with ourselves. And this makes such a big difference. And I could not, you know, be in a thin body if I didn't have this ritual. And it's a non-negotiable for me. Like I can't go without meditating because I know how directly it's related to my relationship with food. I mean, everybody I think knows they need to meditate. It's like, oh yeah, meditation. I, I should really get around to doing that. But it's hard, you know, it's hard to do. And when you're in a community of people who are actually doing these things, obviously it helps. And, and my course helps people do that. You know, it's all emotional eaters supporting each other in these self-care success secrets. Um, but the, the idea around it is to really uh, get centered, get still, get quiet. So you have a resource to draw on throughout the day that isn't food. And so that's a huge one. And writing is a good thing. Writing is amazing. Uh, having a, a daily writing, uh, it, you know, uh, um, relationship. And when you do the writing, you're getting emotions out. I mean, it's really when we are taking on so many emotions, we have to get them out in a healthy way or we will stuff them with food. So these are some of the things, but definitely changing one's schedule, starting to delegate. I mean, there's some very practical things people can do around uh, just the, the level of stress in their lives that can make a huge difference. And I just, you know, it's, again, it's one of those non-negotiables that our lifestyle has to change. I mean, if you imagine, it's like an equation, you know, this amount of stress equals this amount of food. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, if I want if I want less food, you know, if I want to, of course, we don't want less food, but if I want to get results, you know, regarding my weight, I am going to have to, you know, change what I'm eating and I am going to have to have eat less food. Well, I have to lessen the stress. It's just, it's, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think definitely for me, a day starts out well when it starts out with prayer, meditation, you know, in the word and just in a motivational um, piece or inspirational piece and just being able to tap into what I'd like, you know, the day to unfold as and and that just creates a whole lot of strength and like you said filling yourself with that inner peace filling your own tank and nourishing yourself in these other ways because it's not just food you know as well as i do I mean, diet is 25% of weight loss. So there's so many other components to it. So we need to really look at these lifestyle factors. So I, I love that. Now, but so many people get these, you know, when you're working with healing your hunger, it goes beyond the cravings, right? The food addictions. But there's that, there's that really key piece that allows for us to be, um, so to speak, off the wagon again and again and again. So what do you do to address that? Like the, you know, how, besides we're working on that meditation piece and that, like you said, I love that six self-care success secrets. So, so when we're faced with those feelings of turmoil that invariably come up, especially when we're at a time of celebration, right? And if we, even if we've been like so-called good, no cravings for so long, there's that celebratory foods that can derail us. How do we uh, cope around that situation? Well, it's hard. It, there's no question about it. And the more your environment is filled with food, the harder it is. I mean, I really feel for people who work in a corporate environment because jobs are always filled with candy and 
starchy, ooey gooey foods, you know, like everybody brings in their leftovers from, you know, the weekend party. I mean, they're always bringing stuff to work. Oh, bring it to work. Someone will eat it. That's a very difficult environment. And plus people are bored and they're stressed and you know, a lot of them hate their jobs. So it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to eat. Right. And so it's just really hard in that environment where everybody else is doing it. And that's why I come back to the idea of the community. It, it, one of the, um, aspects of overcoming emotional eating. I have seven, seven different steps, simple steps, uh, but one of them is community. And it is virtually impossible to change one's eating habits without a community of support. I mean, it is, I mean, it's impossible. You've got to be around people who are doing this, who are on the same goal. Otherwise you're falling with, uh, falling in with the people who don't care or aren't yet, you know, there where they're addressing it. And so you can't do it in a vacuum and you can't do it alone. And so that's so, so important. You got to have people you can say, hey, you know, be a part of a Facebook community where it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm up against this. I'm going to this party that I don't want to go to. And I know they're going to be serving such and such my favorite food. It's really important that you have people who can say, you go girl, you know, like, like come back and tell us how it went. You've got, you've got some accountability and that's so, so important, you know, but there are, you know, there are things people can do also to sort of protect against those situations where there is more temptation than normal. Um, and parties is a, a place where I always uh, try to bring a food that I know I can eat, you know, that's going to be safe for me. And that's really important. Uh, bringing a buddy who is, you know, comfortable and knows what I'm going through is always a good thing. Um, eating beho- beforehand is, a, a, mm-hmm. is something that I've done often just so I don't have to deal with it and I can just socialize and not have to be stressed about getting exactly what I need, you know, food wise. But, you know, day to day temptations that come up. Um, you know, I always encourage people to look for the source of stress, you know, and it's usually, I mean, it's stress. I'm, and I just came from a conference that was very fun, but there was stress in that I was learning things that I felt overwhelmed by. And overwhelm is, you know, a trigger for me. I mean, when I feel overwhelmed, I'm all of a sudden hungry. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just amazing how hungry I get, you know, the more information that's being loaded on me. So, um, no, so I totally hear you on that one. It's just like, I can just think studying for a test and eating at the same time. Yeah. And, and so it's just really important to just get conscious and connected to what's really going on. And I had to say to myself, like, like, you're not hungry. You, you know, you ate just a couple hours ago. You're okay. And so what's really going on? And it's like, oh yeah, I just feel overwhelmed. And it's not, you know, overwhelm is a, just a big, you know, it's an umbrella, but it's really a word for thoughts and feelings that are uncomfortable. You know, that's really what overwhelming is. And usually when I feel overwhelmed, like, by over information overload, what's really happening is in my head, I'm having a lot of negative thoughts. Like I can't do this. How am I going to implement this? Everybody gets this, but me, you know, like all those negative, um, uh, talk or all that chatter in my head, I have to really take a look and say, Oh, you know, I'm just feeling like I'm not going to get it. Like I'm just feeling insecure and and, you know, it basically like I'm the only one who's not ever going to get there, you know? And mm-hmm. so I have to take a look at that. And then it's got nothing to do with hunger. You know, it's, it's the thoughts and the feelings that are uncomfortable that I want to just 
you know, just put a blanket over so I don't think and feel them. And, but if I can address it head on and just have that moment, it's just such a habit to eat. You know, when we're uncomfortable, it's such a habit to eat and we have to have a pause where we stop, we pivot, we take a look at what's really going on because cravings are, you know, they're so often from that place of stress and some kind of negative emotion. Yeah, no, I hear you 100%. And then, you know, one of the things is you and Roy do a lot with spiritual healing. How do you incorporate these spiritual aspects into your program, into your life? What do you do? Well, um, I start my day on my knees. Um, you know, I mean, I, I literally slide out of bed on my knees and I end my day on my knees. Um, just, you know, I don't think God needs me to be on my knees, but it helps me, you know, connect when I am. And so I start my day on my knees. I meditate uh, twice a day um, in the morning and before dinner. And I always say it's it's not and I don't have empirical evidence, but I believe that people will eat t- at least 200 calories less at dinner if they meditate first. <laughs> so, um, so I do have meditation and a, and a prayer practice. I read, you know, several spiritual readings in the morning as part of my morning routine. But the bottom line, Anna, is that I, I don't have willpower. Like I do not have willpower. Like if it's between me and a cookie, the cookie will win, mm-hmm. you know? And so I have to have a higher power doing for me what I can't do for myself. And that's really why I have these spiritual practices that I do because I must, I mean, I've, I, I do have evidence, you know, if I don't do my prayers, I do a, I, I call it my walk pray. It's one of the self care secrets I talked about. And I walk, walk, praying is one and walking is one. And I put them together and I do a walk pray every day. That and I talk out loud. I put earbuds in my um, ears from my phone, and I talk out loud to God. And I'm in a. I live in the city, so I'm walking. I'm always passing people, and they don't know who I'm talking to, you know. So, and so I talk out loud and I pray, and I absolutely have to have that prayer because it, it's you know I don't have the power to not overeat. Like I don't have the power to say no to a cookie. I don't have it and I cannot depend on willpower because my willpower lasts like maybe an hour every day, you know, first thing in the morning and then boof, it's gone. So uh, it has to come from, from a spiritual place. And so that's, I mean, that's what I teach. You know, that's what my course is so much, um, you know, it's not about that, but that's one of the very, you know, strong messages of my program. My 10 weeks to freedom from emotional eating is about helping people get still and quiet and start making that spiritual connection. So they have a source of power, you know, that can help them make saner and healthier choices that they normally wouldn't make. Yeah, no, I 100% believe you. And I think that's it. Like in myself, I have no willpower. And then I love the way you put that if it's between me and a cookie, the cookie wins. And just recognizing that is huge, right? And then, um, and so preparing for um, preparing yourself to release that and resist that and know that, okay, God, I can't do it, but you can. And that's a, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful visual to, to empower yourselves with. And, and I think the more you get into that practice and discipline of prayer, meditation, you're increasing, we know it decreases cortisol, increases oxytocin, so there's less, you know, there's less volatility, there'll be less craving. So from the hormonal, the physiologic aspect, you're empowering your physiology of willpower. So just, yeah. 
And um, yeah, so that's powerful. Well, Trisha, it has been great to have you here. So we know we're going to give the link to your quiz. And um, can tell us a little bit about the quiz again. And then also um, tell us what, you know, is, is one thing that really makes a difference in your life that empowers you um, the most is one pearl that you do on a daily basis that um, you highly recommend everyone to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I recommend people take the quiz. That's a great place to start, you know, know, know your score, know where you stand. Um, and the one thing, uh, would you say a pearl of wisdom or, or a pearl of uh, pearl? Of, yeah. Your pearl of wisdom. <laughs> My pearl of wisdom. Well, I would say, um, just a reminder to people that it's not about the food. And so, you know, when you, th- it, it sh- I know it feels like it when it, when you're wanting that thing, that, that piece of chocolate or that cookie or, or whatever you want to check out with, with a whole bunch of food. Um, just know it's not really about the food and that isn't your, your deepest desire. You know, our hunger is, is, is really for connection. Our hunger is really for, you know, that, that sense of oneness and wholeness, not only with others, but with God. And so just, just check in and tap in and know that it's not about the food. Yeah. I have to emphasize that point that hunger is about connection, that hunger for connection. And when we think too, again, just the physiology, right? So oxytocin, the hormone of connection and, you know, understanding that we get that positive feedback. Actually, when we distend our stomach, oxytocin is released. And so that's certainly one way to get that feeling of connection, but that's not the ideal way to get it. The ideal way is through community. You're not alone. And that higher spiritual connection that you so beautifully discuss and is part of your life and you live it, you walk it is a higher, you know, is higher connection, higher oxytocin. And then that just fills out into a joyful, happy life. In in my program that we've had um, recently, my Magic Menopause program, you know, weight loss is a beneficial side effect. And, and just like in your program, it's a beneficial side effect. What we see is this loving, happier, contented, more connected person. And um, I, one of my friend, one of my clients, put it this way. She said, "You know, I, I'm happier, but more importantly, everyone's happier with me." <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. And that cuts down on a lot of stress. That does. That does. And so it's a it's a win-win. Investing in yourself, investing in filling your tank um, just has this overflowing abundance um, in your life for sure. So I would encourage our listeners to please check out Trisha's quiz, the Heal Your Hunger quiz. It's important to just kind of identify where you're at. And um, that's all part of our discovery process. We continue to discover. It doesn't matter if we're 20 or 80, right? We continue to learn things about ourselves. And also, uh, please comment below in our uh, Couch Talk on our podcast. Also, share this. If you're listening here on iTunes, please rate us. And I look forward to hearing your comments and questions and suggestions for further podcasts as well. Trisha, again, it's been beautiful to have you here with us today on Couch Talk. Thanks, Hannah. Great to be here.